I think this is an existential moment for democracy. And I hear a lot of people trying to get cued about the filibuster and, oh, well, you know, we're going to be in the minority again. And Mitch McConnell's up there saying, we're going to pass every single policy item that we've ever wanted to pass if you get rid of the filibuster. And oh, by the way, you had control of all of the houses. It's of exactly government. what they did. It's exactly what well, they did they when didn't. Trump got elected and they swept in. They And guess what? All they did was just pass tax cuts. That's all they did. Right. And do judges. And so that's kind of the point is like, bro, if you were going to do it, call his bluff. If he was going to do it, he would have done it already. What up world? And welcome back to another episode of the Amer podcast. Hey, flawless. That's the title of this episode. Flawless. (laughs) It's getting sillier every time I'm here. What up, everybody? We got another excellent, flawless episode for you this evening with a special guest, Jordan Scruggs, in the house. What's up, Jordan? Hello, hello, hello. The Rev. Happy to be here. No, not anymore. No, it's not anymore. She's retired. Mm-mm, Can we just tired. use it Cash as your podcast? Really. Can we just use it as your podcast nickname? though because it's pretty cool you, you, you could but i'm not nearly as cool as it makes me sound i mean she's... i would i would i withdrew from my process strong disagree well if you would like to call me that <laughs> I, will allow, I will allow it excellent today is friday 8 31 p.m thank god thank god thank god we friday. Made it to friday yeah it was a long week I mean, yeah, I don't have kids, so, so I can only imagine, Jordan, what your week was like, but... It's fine. We it's... had uh, daylight savings time recently, so it up everything. Oh, no. <laughs> was Sage getting up yeah. at the crack of dawn or what? She was staying up an hour later than she was supposed to and sleeping into the time that she was supposed to be her babysitters and screaming whenever I woke her up too early, so it was good. Great. Ah. Really good. That's okay. Oh, I, I scream when I have to wake up too early too. So I feel it. I pain. do too. I, I try to empathize because I'm doing it internally. You know, I just learned how to self-regulate <laughs> in a way that she has not as a toddler. So. That's what I was going to say. Most of the screaming <laughs> happens inside of my head. <laughs> this is adult. Like, I know. I understand how you feel, but there's nothing I can do about it. <laughs> That's Jordan Scruggs, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you who don't know her, <laughs> formerly the Reverend. Happy to have you on the show. Welcome, Welcome back. back. It's, it's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> also with us this evening in the uh, Denver metro area, Mr. John Kelly. Hello, sir. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Glad to be back. Uh, I guess sorry for the little break we took, but, um, you know. I think there's a good amount of stuff we can get through this evening. Hopefully, everyone out there, all the listeners, have been uh, good the last couple of weeks. We have so much to talk about. Yes, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> also out in the uh, Denver metro area, Mr. John Anderson. Hello, sir. How you Hello, doing? Hello, sir. You know, hanging out on a Friday. There's so many things we need to talk about. There's like four things. We, we have a long list already tonight, and there's like four things I want to talk about that we're just not going to be able to get to. I've got a fifth thing to add to it, by the way, just when we there's, get there. There's just Perfect. so much shit. It's so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm your host. Blake yeah! Mason. I remember Nailed this it. time. Nailed it. I get to drink one because I remembered. This is true. <laughs> Very nice. Very All nice. Right. So we are here to talk about a plethora of events and 
items, um, but not all of them are as uh, happy and pleasant as we would like them to be, unfortunately. Uh, to start off, I think we were going to uh, do a little update on the Cuomo, Governor Cuomo situation out in New York. And uh, and then we were going to talk a little bit of gun violence and mosey on through some other current events. So thanks for joining us, everybody. And who would like to kick it off? Yeah, I would. Cuomo should resign and he should no longer be in the Democratic Party. Next. <laughs> yeah, it, <laughs> it doesn't does seem like a pretty easy answer at this point. <laughs> All right, come, I, I agree with you. Topic done. Covered. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> it's really frustrating because I feel like, I mean, on, the na- on a national level now, he's sort of known as being this bully. But like, I live in New York. And I'm relatively politically engaged um, locally. And it's like, I haven't, I have not heard of any like sexual assault allegations or harassment allegations before now, but it's like common knowledge that he's just like a huge bully. Like right. that, that's just a thing. Like he's just known yeah. for being. And so, you know, in times like the pandemic, when, you know, he becomes, you know, um, America's governor because he's, taking a hard line against a lot of things. And I, and I honestly, like he really screwed up the nursing home crap. Um, yeah, but I, I did, I will say that like when the actual pandemic was happening and when I was, well, it's still happening, but when in the early stages of the pandemic last year, um, I felt really grateful that he was our governor because he was taking a really like tough stance on things that other people were pretending like wasn't a big deal. And so probably more people would have died. But the fact of the matter is like he, it doesn't just, just because he did some, some good things or managed something well, doesn't mean that he's suddenly exempt from scrutiny um, or from ethical responsibility when he, when he's, when he's done something like this. And, and I, I just, I'm so sick of like, seeing people on Twitter and on other social media platforms defending him and being like, oh, well, this is, you know, this is because, um, you know, Trump, Trump is worried about being prosecuted in New York. And so he's got, he's like paying off all these people to like get involved and accuse Cuomo of doing different things. And it's like, no, he's not. Gotta love, gotta love the conspiracy theory thought process there, like, right? That, that right. It, it's not right. believing victims, right? Which is a problem in some in some, especially sometimes in the Democratic Party, right? Because it's too easy. The Democratic Party does not believe victims if it's not politically expedient. And mm-hmm. we as a party, at least me, uh, me personally, hopes that the Democratic Party is someone who believes victims, right? And allows that to be part of the conversation without having that seep in of, oh, this is a conspiracy theory that Trump's trying to force this to happen to get yeah. Cuomo out of office. And and I and I and I agree with you, Jordan. I think you were spot on, you know? He was he was almost like the poster child, right? Of mm-hmm. the way that the response should have happened in some ways. Mm-hmm. Right. It looked like he was doing a great job and it looked like he was running his administration properly. And now that there's time where people have really looked into it. All these sexual allegations have come out. All obviously, all of the serious allegations of them fudging numbers in mm-hmm. nursing homes, nursing homes. and right. him and him using his personal connections to allow certain people to get tested and certain people to get vaccine mm-hmm. access early. It just mm-hmm. it reeks of the type of um, insider power corruption that, right. it, as citizens, you should be pissed about. 
right? And that we try to yeah. rail against on this podcast because, you know, we don't like to see it. Yeah, yeah. like it, it shouldn't be a partisan issue if you are a Democrat and you're defending him because he's a Democrat. Shame on you. It, we yeah. we have somehow shame, 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 shame. We have somehow uh, become the party of values, which is kind of wild to me growing up, you know, as a kid in the 90s and then the Bush administration. But somehow we have. And I think we should continue to enforce our values on our own and our political opponents just the same. And so even if like Trump is doing an epic, you know, uh, uh, oppo dump on Cuomo, fucking fine. Like it, if it's true, it doesn't matter what the source is. We have to police our own. Right. And, you know, by our own, I mean Democrats, and also I mean Americans. And so, fuck this guy. He should resign. I probably said something on this podcast along the lines of like, why are we not? Why is he not in the presidential, you know, conversation during right. when he was doing well? And I now am like, now thank know. fucking God that he I was. Not. I don't. I don't think he did. I don't think he did. But you I might have. hope not he at this point. It. But well, I definitely said it to people. You know, I remember thinking it, watching some of the news conferences. And right. so, like, mea culpa on that one. Thank fucking God he wasn't a part of our presidential process. And he shouldn't be and he should not be a a member in good standing of the Democratic Party for all the things. Yeah. Right. Still, a this is a good example of how there are imperfections on within both political parties, right? Both Democrats mm -hmm. and Republicans. I got into a, a little bit of a debate with a family member on Facebook this past week over some <laughs> social oh, no. media. Oh, right. no. yeah. The worst start to about, any sentence. <laughs> yeah, it was about it was about um, they posted like a list of specifically Democratic uh, legislators and people who have served in some form of office who had been charged with some form of like pedophilia or like child pornography save the and children so, yeah and so i was like hey i was like you know the republicans have like a pretty good list too <laughs> you know and i yeah. posted it unfortunately and, true yeah. yeah and yeah and he was like ah all you damn democrats want to do is debate and blah 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 and i was like no man like I'm just letting you know that it's on both sides. That's all. Like, there's nothing to debate about. You know? Nobody's but, debating anything. People. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just can't be. In, we we got to get it out of the partisan facts. lens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But like, yeah, it's so, like this is these are bad Americans doing stuff. It's not Republicans or Democrats doing. Right. Exactly. Well, but, but I think but I would I also think, though, it's yes. OK, it's bad Americans, but it's also like I I think that there's a political or there's a specific brand of politically bad or bad Americans who are political, maybe in the sense that like, once you've attained a certain amount of power um, politically and also financially, I mean, those two things often go together. It's like, suddenly the rules do not apply to you. And, yes. and so you're able to justify or, or um, off, you know, offer um, rationale for doing things that we would not allow average everyday citizens to do. And, and there's also a racial component to this, right, where we saw yep. in the Atlanta shootings where the right. uh, the cop came out and was like, oh, he had a bad day. And it's like, bro, that is not a right. bad – George Floyd had a bad day too. Yeah. So, I, think, though, I, I think it – yeah, if anything, it's it's like white 
I don't even think it has to do with money, Jordan. I think that it can influence people in that direction. But I know people who aren't really wealthy, who are white, who have that same kind of like ego of they can go around and do whatever they want. And so maybe it comes down to like privilege and stuff too, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely think there's like there. It's the idea of 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 intersectionality, which has been around for thirty years in sociological studies, where you know people have multiple identities that sometimes compete with each other, but sometimes reinforce each other. And so, if you're thinking about, um, uh, I mean, whiteness is its own issue, and you know, we I think we were going to talk about that a little bit um, in terms of the podcast this evening um, related to the shootings. Um, But there's there's this, there's, there's privilege that comes with wealth. There's privilege that comes with, um, inherit, inherited versus, you know, er, you know, earned wealth. And, and then also just a racial component, a gender component, all of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Where you can be like, Oh, I didn't shoot up Asian women because I'm a racist. I shot them up because I'm a sex addict and a misogynist. And people are like, okay. And you're like, but can't he be both? Right. Wait, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's the type, it's the type of thing. And it's the exact reason that the black lives matter movement happened over the summer. It's the exact reason that there was the response in Atlanta from the Asian American community. And also let's just be clear that there's been a rise in hate crimes against Asian Americans in this country right. since oh, the dramatic rise, uh, a, yeah. a right. dramatic rise. Yeah. So that also yeah. influenced Atlanta. But the, the fact that there were people in the police force in Georgia that were saying those types of things that, Oh, he had a bad day. It's not a bad thing. Right. And, and then the the suspect coming out and saying, it's because I was a sex addict that I ended up doing these things to try to stop, you know, my own addiction to something. Right. It, Mm -hmm. it is the pinnacle of an idealized privilege that you can take another person's life and that you could stop another person's life just because they have an supposed negative impact on how you are living because you feel guilty about how people judge you. Right. Yeah. And th- there's like, there's really a lot of stuff that I do wish that Tyler was kind of on. Cause I know that he really, it's his ballpark, right. To really talk about uh, male right. fragility and the idea of white privilege is, is something that he, he's really into, but I, and power and sex and and it's uh, it, it, it's, and it's a it's a lot of things that. and it's so it's yeah exactly and it's so it's so disappointing that someone can come out and say something like that and there's community members around him that go yeah that's fine you know well, yeah and it's we because it. those guys are um, like oh yeah that makes sense because it probably it, does make sense for them you know right and I, I don't want to throw them all under the bus because like his church kicked him out. Like the next day, they voted to disband him from the church, right? The Atlanta Good. shooter, and like it, it, it's not like it's a widespread thing, but there was this initial acceptance for it before a lot of the facts came out about right. the the person himself and what the extent of the crimes were, and so uh, it, I think it's a better conversation moving forward. Um, but yeah, the bottom line is is that there's serious mental health issues in this country, and we need to do a better job, I think, at controlling access to guns right i think that's what we're really getting at (laughs) you know i was talking so a couple of my friends actually i've mentioned i think to john before having my friend haruk on she's about to finish up her dissertation but she would be just like such an interesting person to talk to about this stuff so she's um let's get her on she's she's uh yeah i mean she's she's amazing um she's sage's godmom actually and um 
and she's uh, she's getting her dissertation in religious studies um, and feminist studies from Harvard right now. And her oh. whole like she's she's Japanese. She's married to a Korean man. So there's like the history of Japan and Korea, like in their relationship um, and Japan's, you know, colonizing of Korea, but also the patriarchy that is inherent in both of those cultures and listening to her, you know, I'd like sent them a text this past week um, after the shooting happened, just like checking in and being like, Hey, like, how are you guys doing it? They live, you know, they live in Boston. They're not in that area. But um, I know that, um, you know, that the two of them were like, for them, this very much is an Asian hate crime. And especially when you think about like the sexualization of Asian women, and when 100%. you like yep. like map on top of that the like the the fetishization of of Asian women as like these docile subservient creatures that um, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if you guys they're objects have you guys yeah. heard of like uh, like yellow fever yeah I don't know if yes. you've heard of that of that term where it's yep. like you know white white men like liking um, Asian women um, because because of their servility basically and um and also there's like this weird sort of like colonial um eroticism and exoticization that happens with asian women and um and she so she's writing she's writing her dissertation on um uh the, the basically like uh the relationship between um christianity and asian religions and i'm reading i'm reading her i'm reading her dissertation right now and like editing it for her nice and so i felt like all of this stuff was like fresh in my mind as I was like, like watching this stuff unfold. And, um, it was just really, it was just, it was so interesting to like, listen to them talk about it. And then also for Kyung Wan, her husband to sort of point out, he's like, you know, it is insane to me to live in a country. Um, and they're going to be, they're going to become, um, uh, there'll be, there'll be lawful permanent residents next year. Um, but, uh, but to, but to like have moved to a country where the, uh, the, the rate of gun ownership is so incredibly high. It's like, you know, more people have died from gun violence since the time that I have lived here in the United States than have died from gun violence since I was born in Korea. You right. know, and just wow. like yep. the, what's it's like staggering, the isn't it? It's yeah, staggering. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it, and, you know, another thing, you know, we wanted to touch on, too, was the, the Boulder shooting this week as well. Right. And for for both of them, when the news broke and, you know, I felt I felt really guilty about it this week and, and last week as well. But it's just like I have gotten to the point where I am really pretty numb about mm -hmm. shootings. And it says something about our society that it is such a numbing process. Now, yes, mm -hmm. you, 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 you basically, you paste over it, you get numb about it. People are tired of the outrage around it. They're tired about feeling sad about it, but we have had mass shootings every day for a month. Basically, when you look at the stats, if you look at what is considered a mass shooting in, mm -hmm. in, in the United States, there's basically one every day. And, mm -hmm. you know, not all of them make news the way that the ones this last couple of weeks do. And then when they do, you know, it becomes such a quick cycle of we need to have gun legislation. We can't have any gun legislation. 24 hour cycle. That's it. Yep. And it's shameful. That it's that every single time. Look at what Ted Cruz said in the Senate. 
right? Look at what Ted Cruz said in the Senate. He sat there while there was a bill in front of them to talk about having universal background checks, which the majority of American citizens want. The majority of Republican gun owners want that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And he sat there and he said, why are we wasting our time even having this conversation? Everybody knows nothing's going to happen. And he said it to his base, right, to be like, yeah, he, he protects the Second Amendment, but he also dug at something deeper, which is that nothing's really going to happen on the federal right. level. Unfortunately, the way that it's set up and the way that the two sides have to battle it out, that it has to be a black and white issue. All guns, no guns. Background checks, right. no background checks. There's is no movement part, on it at all, and it's 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 exhausting. Is, is this part of the reason why there's been so much uh, news lately on on removing the filibuster or at least uh, changing it? Uh, no, guns had gone away because we we're in the middle of a global pandemic where we um, all stayed home. My first thought when I saw the the mass the the shooting in in Atlanta was this is the clearest sign that I've seen so far that America is getting back to normal, uh, mm. which is yeah, unfortunately, yeah, fucking dystopian. Uh, but no, the the filibuster right now is mostly in conversation because of things like the fifteen dollar minimum wage, because of voting rights, um, the gun issue. Uh, might fall into that basket, but it was not something that was uh, front of mind in the you know political zeitgeist yeah. up until uh, this last week, ten days, however long imagine, it's been. I imagine it'll probably fall into that basket. I uh, didn't the Trump administration make it easier for people with mental health issues to get a gun, just like real recently last year, like within the last six months or something. Uh, I don't know specifically for that i i am almost positive that we have expanded gun rights since newtown uh which for me that was the moment where like i i fell into pretty significant despair about our gun issue um because if if you have 20 children first graders kindergartners murdered and we do nothing about it nothing about it we are a broken society right clearly by a person who if there was any type of legitimate background check would have been denied would have would have never had a weapon right right you know i i something that i remember something that you said john um when the shooting in newtown happened because so i was in i was in seminary at the time like 30 minutes away from newtown Mm -hmm. and so we you know i have colleagues um former colleagues in the united methodist church who were like pastoring the Newtown United Methodist Church when all this happened and were like had children in their congregation who died um, during that shooting and had to like provide emotional support to the parents who lost children. And um, I remember something that you said, John, was like our your like your Second Amendment right to own a gun cannot trump the right of a child to grow up. And, and I felt like that just like really stuck with me, um, and thinking about, you know, how we are addressing these issues or not addressing these issues. And I think it says a lot about like our values as a culture, like what, what do we, what do we value? Yeah. And, 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 and clearly, and I think this goes back to like our obsession, honestly, at the root with like money and wealth, like 
who produces wealth, who makes money, who, you know, what makes money. Guns make money. Ammunition makes money. Um, weaponizing is money. Children don't. Old people don't, right? Like, they're not worthy of protection or care in the same way that able-bodied people are. And guess what? If you're able-bodied, then you have your own weapons so you can protect yourself. And I, and I very, think the very money, strong criticism in truth, the money component of this is an extremely important part to recognize because when you look at the polling data, common sense gun legislation is extremely popular. We do not, as a country, get above 60% on any kind of controversial issue, and we get above 60% in the top four or five uh, uh, gun policies. And so the yep. reason that they do not happen is because the NRA, who does not represent gun owners, they represent gun manufacturers, ruins the legislation every single time. And in fact, usually w is able to drop in expansion of gun rights, which is probably what Blake was talking about earlier, into bills. And so we need to change the discourse. And, and I like Biden has been doing this too, where he's like, don't tell me that the, the COVID bill was not bipartisan just because Republicans in the Senate didn't vote for it. It's got 70% approval rating among the American people. Right. Not all of that 70% are Democrats. So this is a bipartisan issue. And it is a – we need to, I think, adopt that same framing with this, especially when we're talking angle. about the NRA. We are – it is a consensus issue in the United States that there should be background checks. And so this is something it's it's really like Kelly I hear you so much on the on the numbness to it and like I we have a friend who we were we were, him and I were uh texting back and forth and he's like I I have known you to be numb to this but the the boulder one hit me particularly hard because of my roots there and um it is just it is it is we we have to keep fighting this fight because we can't have a society where 20 children can get murdered and nothing is done about it. We just, that is not a sustainable society. I, I, I agree, John. I agree a hundred percent. And, you know, I think it, it, it does bring us, you know, really into the larger issue. One that we talk about most nights. And again, we're going to get back into it, which is that there is one party that represents a very small amount of people that controls basically half of the voting power in this country. Yeah. And that's what, and that's what we're looking at. Democrats are a tent party and the Republicans are a small and dwindling grabbing power party. And typically right? when a political party starts to lose elections on a consensus, consistent basis, they will change their policies to accommodate the people. However, the Republican right. Party's response over the last several election cycles has been, well, let's just make sure that those people can't vote so that we can yeah. continue right. to have our own positions. It kicked into high gear in Georgia. May yes. Kicked into high so gear in there, and it, you know, it, it's been, there's been 43 legislate state legislatures that have had voter suppression bills introduced. There's been over 250 bills introduced since the 2016 election, according to the Brennan Center uh, today. Uh, and it is, it is, it is astonishing to me that the re the Republican Party's response to their loss in 2020 was, we're just going to ruin democracy. It's not, quote, <sighs> surprising, but it is still shocking and astonishing to me. Yeah, and yeah. This is something, Sh shocking's right. Shocking's yeah. right. And so we have to kill the filibuster because we have to pass a bill 
protecting voting rights because in Georgia, they just signed a bill, which by the way, uh, if you guys have seen a picture of the signing ceremony, the painting behind them is a painting of a plantation. Surprise! And so they signed a bill in Georgia that in part, part of it makes it illegal to hand out water and food to people waiting in voting lines. You tell me what the governmental purpose is of that. It's fucking bananas and so you know that to me sounds like a very uh good way to get into some good trouble in 2022 if you are in the georgia area did you say that did pass it passed they signed it it. it's law yeah how does that pass because we live Um, in the second era of jim crow and it we're gonna have to decide how deep that goes in the next several elections but it's 100 I, that just doesn't make any sense. Like, bl- it does if, it, so here's the thing. Here's the thing. If if you're going to say that I can't go hand out a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to the person standing in line to vote, what's next? Are you going to take away my gun rights? Like, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I, I was I was I was uh, reading on Twitter. One lady who's a lawyer was like, "Okay, so like, if I pass out." Because of heat exhaustion in line, does that mean that the paramedics can't give me water? Like, sure. what, how are you going to implement this law? And so that's that to me. I I feel like there's going to be they're going to get sued by every you know pro democracy group in America, well, and just, this probably just, gets yeah. struck down. But it's it is still a flashing red warning light in the health of democracy, and we've got to. Who knows? It, it. They'll get they'll get sued. The state of Georgia will get sued by multiple people. Will it change within the state of Georgia? Who knows? This could very well be in front of the Supreme Court in a year's time. Isn't Georgia Stacey well. Abrams' state? Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. I mean, Stacey Abrams <laughs> is the queen of everything. I agree. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, let's Stacey elect her queen of the universe. And just she can be like <laughs> so you know, there's heads of state and there's heads of um what is it? Heads and of state and heads of, of government. <laughs> there's queens of the universe. So, uh, like the British, their head of state is the queen, and their head of government is the prime minister. In the United States, the president is both. But I think we should just make our head of state Stacey Abrams. Like maybe we get it more into the get back into the monarchy business just for just for Stacey. You know, I, honestly, though, like, so, so when we were, so we were so we were talking about like who should who should Biden select as VP. I know a lot of people were like talking about like Stacey Abrams, Stacey Abrams, but like I am like leave her right the fuck where she is. Like I think that was do her not calculation move her. too. Like Georgia needs her, and and you know I was hmm. I have a. Are a, a good friend from undergrad who's still in North Carolina and he's like constantly posting, you know, on Facebook and like ranting and raving about like everybody thinks that like we should just like like there was there was some kind of like meme or something where um it was it was like during the election where somebody had like made this meme that was a map of the United States and like basically taken a pair of scissors and like cut off the southern United States and said like like just let them join their own you know, let them join their let own union. Like, we don't need them. Let, them. let them secede. And he's like, no, the majority of the people who live here don't actually want this stuff either. It's voter suppression yeah. that is keeping yeah, people from 100%. voting. Like yeah. the majority of the people who live here want the same things. And and by this is like a northern, like a northeastern liberal elitist way of dealing with the problem of racism that they are un, like unwilling or unable to see that totally. they are implicated in. I just thought that that was like, 
Yep. That was like really, really, really telling. And um, we we saw that with the Texas freeze recently, where you had like um, uh, who the fuck is that? Uh, Moore, the documentarian, was like mm-hmm. just, just we yeah, Michael Moore. He was like, we should withhold vaccines from. Oh no, wait, it was about the max mask mandate, and he was like, we should withhold vaccines from them. And I'm like, bro. Number one, no, because like the way viruses work. Number two, the partisan statement you're making is abhorrent. And also 48% of people in Texas are Democrats. So like, fuck you all the way to hell. Like all the way for that take. Yeah, it's true. And so there's a a lack of humanitarianism in a way, in that way where where you look at it and you go and for the people who are really involved on Democratic side, they get that. And they get that there's a lot of the red states are changing. And that's why you see such an extreme response, especially right. after this last election cycle. That's right, right yep. John? When you read off all those stats earlier about how many bills have been passed state by state, you saw that right during election time in November. How many states, when Trump didn't win, it was like, wait, but can't we as a legislator just overturn our own state's electors because we have a Republican-controlled you know, House and Senate yes. within our own state. We have a Republican governor. I mean, that's what it looks like currently in terms of the political landscape in this country. It is dominated by the Republican Party when it comes to state legislators, state governorships. It's dominated on that side. For better or worse, it is what it is. And they see that there's a sea change within a lot of these states. And there are a lot of viewpoints that are on the Democratic side that there's just their base is unwilling to even approach the table on. And so that's what we're looking at in terms of how we are going to move our country forward, but also how we're going to have a actual functioning democracy where there's actually two parties that have legitimate conversations about policy development, about how we're supposed to move forward, because there are really legitimate Things that we need to discuss in terms of our fiscal policy, in terms of, you know, our gun rights policy, all that stuff. But when you have one obstructionist party that controls the majority of state houses and half of the Senate and a good chunk of the House and potentially will win seats back in 2022 next year. History right. suggests they uh, will. That's what yeah, 538 exactly. saying, actually. Uh, I, I literally just pulled an article up by 538 yeah. saying... Republicans but are it's, on track it's why it's back. so important, and we haven't mentioned it specifically yet, but why the voting rights bill needs to pass right now right. in the House and in the Senate. It needs to pass. It needs to become federal law. We, get, we cannot stand here and allow ourselves to fall back into 1930s voting systems throughout this throughout the nation because it disenfranchises people across the board white black latino it it disenfranchises everyone but it benefits a small group of people and they're willing to sacrifice our democracy and our political health of our body politic just to make sure to grip to power in certain areas so when we pass it tomorrow yeah when we call the United States a democracy, what we're really talking about is we've been a democracy for about the last 70 years, probably right. starting right. with the 1964 Civil Rights Act and the 1965 Voting Rights Act. So we need to be aware of our history that it is tenuous and we have not been a democracy that 
that long. And I think this is an existential moment for democracy. And I hear a lot of people trying to get cute about the filibuster and, oh, well, you know, we're going to be in the minority again. And should we be worried about, and Mitch McConnell's up there saying, we're going to pass every single policy item that we've ever wanted to pass if you get rid of the filibuster. And oh, by the way, you had control of all of the houses. It's of exactly government. what they did. It's exactly what they well, did they when didn't. Trump got elected and they swept in. They And guess what? All they did was but they just didn't. pass tax cuts. That's all but they you, did. Right. Basically. And do judges. And so that's kind of the point yeah. is like, bro, if you were going to do it, call his bluff. If he was going to do it, he would have done it already. So no, I think we cannot get too cute with this. This is an existential moment get rid of the filibuster and pass the voting rights, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Let's get it done. And we, we just can't. This is like everybody it's an historic to the moment. breaches. This is 1964 again. It's an yeah, historic we, moment. It is. You, you, we do not have a next election cycle. This is it. Well, so I we, think, we have to I win think this. That, I think that the most imp- I was just like looking over some of the provisions in the in the voting rights um, legislation that's up right now. And it seems to me that, you know, some of the changes that would be made are, I mean, they're, they're long lasting and it, and it, and it, it's designed in a way that in theory, if there were as many Republicans voting as, as Democrats or many people who leaned Republican as Democrat, it would benefit everyone across the board. Turns it's out. not about privileging right. Democratic voters. It's about privileging voters, period. Um, yep. and, and you know, the one place where I think Republicans stand to lose something is where it's been historically unfair. And that's in, in the way that districts are gerrymandered. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, North Carolina, I don't know if you guys ever looked at it, If you remember a couple of years ago, I think yeah. it was in the, it's probably in the 2016 election, um, where um, basically North Carolina was sued because their gerrymandering looks like a toddler with spaghetti. I mean, it's just like, <laughs> all, yeah. it's right. like all I think it went to the street Supreme Court. Street. Literally street by street. Yeah, in oh some my God. cities, and it was it yep. was like they, they they like carved places up specifically. I mean, it's it's like the the voter legislation that was introduced. I think it was in Georgia recently that was designed to prevent people from um, uh, doing like uh, get out the vote Sundays, where you like go to the you yeah. like pray your way to the polls, which is designed specifically to disenfranchise mm-hmm. black people. Um, yep. So yep. it's just like I. The, the fact that people don't want to support this legislation, I think, just underlines how low the Republican Party um, is willing to stoop to prevent people from exercising a democratic right. And, and to go back to what John was saying about we've really only been a democracy um, or, or, or aspired to be a full democracy for the last 60 years, basically, right? Not yep. any more than that. And we've never actually attained it. We've never yep. actually attained it. And we see why Republicans are scared, because when you have a powerful person like Stacey Abrams, who is able to mobilize and organize and turn out um, voters, she she wasn't even pushing necessarily a super progressive platform. Right. I mean, right. she herself is a progressive nope. individual that she was pushing to vote. That's it. Just exercise your vote. And when that yep. happens and people feel enfranchised and like they can't participate, it's transformative for our democracy and it's better for everyone. Um, but, but that's exactly why Republicans are so dedicated to like not allowing this to happen because they know that their grip on power is so tenuous. And I think like that's the ex- thing is, uh, sorry, go ahead, John. I think it's extremely important that we, um, oh no, now I just lost the point. Sorry, Kelly, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is that um, 
what, what I thought about your statement on the gerrymandering was really important to highlight just again, because I know that we've talked about it in the past and, you know, we just got through another census. So there's going to be another redrawing of districts, which is very important uh, state by state. Um, and I will just give a shout out to Colorado having a yeah. non a, a bipartisan, non-political group to redraw districts. Mm. Um, I've seen some very interesting maps about how they're going to re- potentially redraw congressional districts in Colorado, which is very interesting. Um, interesting. Which we should have Marco um, back on to talk about that. Yeah, good idea. Uh, but when you look at the gerrymandering topic, I understand why the idea was you know, built in theoretically as a way that political parties can deal with each other in a way to protect minority groups. That was kind of the idea behind it. Um, unfortunately, because it's such a zero-sum game in American politics, what you have is very specifically drawn districts. And what it does is it fuels, I think, really, I would say just alongside our addiction to media outlets, our addiction to having certain belief structures in terms of if you lean left or right, it reinforces those ideas within communities, right? Right. There are very serious lines between communities that are drawn because of redistricting every 10 years that divide our communities even further where you would actually have people that are democratically leaning would lean right and do lean right on certain issues, right? If the if the Republican Party could have a more of a coherent, a legitimately bringing in type of platform that actually has some. So <laughs> true. Well, they don't. They don't. Their platforms like save Dr. Seuss, right? Right. <laughs> it, right. Don't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, they don't understand that you can be a liberal Republican and a conservative Republican. Yeah, but you used to I be digress. able to Please. at least. There's not. There's there. That's there's not. That's not a thing anymore. That's not a thing anymore. Right. They used used to have that in politics, where you had people that were somewhat in the middle that would go back yeah. and forth. Cent- and there's still Democrats, those people. Center Republicans, right? Yeah. There's still those people. It's just that the parties, the way that, and especially because of gerrymandering, do not represent people that way. I w- yeah. I would say like. Number tier number one in terms of fixing our democracy would be getting money out of politics and by a constitutional amendment. Tier number two, as far as like threats to our democracy, if tier number one is money, then I would I would put gerrymandering in in tier two. I think it's a and it it takes a little bit. You have to kind of like game it out a little bit to understand exactly how destructive it is, but. The way politics are supposed to work is you're supposed to have somebody on the left and somebody on the right argue, and then the, quote, best solution is in the middle. But the way that districts are drawn, you're not worried about somebody coming in and taking your job from the middle. You're worried about somebody taking your job from the edges. So if you roll that through for a couple of election cycles, it means that the uh, the parties move further and further away from the center. And you've right. seen this happen asymmetrically too, which has been very interesting where the Republican party has moved further away from the center relative to Democrats. And this is something that political scientists can measure. And so if we got rid of, if we had, and this is how it's supposed to work in the constitution is you have a district that is unified in some way among like 
different characteristics of that community, and then you have somebody represent that community. And so I think it would go a very, very long way to helping the health of our democracy if we had races to the middle again in our politics as opposed to races to the extremes. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe proportional representation, John. What do you think? I don't know, man. There's like a geography <laughs> issue with that. Uh, and uh, so <laughs> we we might end up actually dissolving the union if we did that. And I'm a little concerned about that. Maybe. So, maybe. Yeah, do, do you I think our differences are so vast that if we sat down and had that conversation, it would dissolve our union? I think that our differences would break down along geographic lines, unlike typically what we think it would. would in this discussion, which would be ideological lines. And if you have parties break down along geographic lines with the size of our country, the diversity of our country, the history of our country, I think over several election cycles, we would end up seeing secessionist movements uh, if we went to a proportional representation system. Yeah. Texas, Texas does it every year, it seems yeah, like. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we would have a union in several election cycles if we did it. Although I am, I am in, <laughs> I'm very, very interested in uh, uh, being wrong because the two-party system is not healthy. I think the only, mm-hmm. maybe the only redeeming quality is that it is uh, a unifier in our country because it forces, you know, Democrats in Georgia to agree with Democrats in Colorado who would agree with Democrats in New York, and that that's, wouldn't that's happen fair. in a proportional it representation system. It is stabilizing. It, it, that's exactly stabilizing. yes. Uh, yeah. So does that outweigh uh, all the negatives? I don't know. I would love to find a better way to do it, but I don't know if there is one. Well, I I kind I I wish that <laughs> no, it's fine. It's I, I think it's I think it I think it has the potential to be stabilizing. If we can avoid what John was just talking about, which is like this extreme, this like migration to the extremes, right? Like that is incredibly destabilizing. Um, but I, I, I was honestly, I was kind of disappointed that um, within this voter rights legislation, that there wasn't any kind of proposal to move to some sort of um, uh, ranking system in terms mm. of, you know, choosing your first, second, third choice for a particular right. um, position yep. so so that you don't throw your vote to someone that you it's that it, your vote doesn't become a throwaway vote if the person that you're voting for isn't the most popular candidate, right? Um, I think so, rank uh, choice voting is one of the best ways we can improve our democracy. listeners for for yeah. a way to understand that is you would have three votes, essentially, a first, a second, and a third place for let's say president and if the first place person didn't win then your or vote would go to your... like favorites to like first second third favorite basically That's yeah right. first yeah first second yeah. third favorite so if your first favorite doesn't win then your vote falls to the second favorite so that means that conceivably if everybody in the country had the same person second it's very possible that that person could win zero uh first, first votes place and votes still and actually win Right, and actually, went that could have been probably Kanye would be West a really, really great uh, uh, candidate. Can you imagine if Kanye West had gotten elected? That would have been <laughs> no, 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 no. So and terrible. also, can I offer you guys a fun historical fact? That is how Lincoln won the eighteen sixty 
presidential nomination. And he was like, hey, man, I understand Seward or Bates or Chase or whoever are your first candidates. But like, you know, if things don't work out, maybe I'm your second. And he ended up being the greatest president in the United States history <laughs> by a lot. Debate me on it. Let's go. And so we don't have time I, for that right now. We don't have time for that right so now. So the rank choice voting has a, uh, a strong history in the United States, and we should really go there. It's a great, simple way. And I think, doesn't Maine do that? Don't they do that? I think there's a state I think, that just I, I think there's that. a couple states that do rank, actually. Let's go. Oh, huh. Rank choice voting. Yeah, I actually, I agree 100%. And I, I hate the arguments that are really against it right now, which is that it would slow down the process, right? Because in a lot of states, you have to have a certain amount of votes. And if you had... Mm-hmm. You have to basically have a majority of whatever is cast, and if you had the rank, you would have a bunch of runoffs that would end up happening. And right. well, I mean, but then the runoff ends up being between two people, and it ends up being a first past the post anyway. Yeah, but at least we went through a, a layer. So what what I'm getting at, what I'm getting at is that the hill to die on, it looks like, is going to be voting rights in the, over yes. the next year. That is, it is, that it is, is the, the new hill. if, if democracy is an engine, voting rights is the oil. hundred percent. It has to get passed. We're yep. at a crux right now. And especially with the, uh, the thought process on the right and the ethos on the right, which is that this last election was stolen from them, which is what's driving all of this voting thing on mm-hmm. the right, which is that you have to stop illegal voting from happening. Quote it unquote. just Right, exactly, exactly. It's no surprise that they've reacted this way, but there has to be a stamp down that says, no, as a democracy, we cannot have these types of laws come in because you get sore about losing an election. And I think the, the, maybe the point to end on here is that this is not some like fanciful dream or utopian dream that we all have. When people feel like they can contribute to their society they are more productive members of that society and then in turn when you have more diversity contributing to your society you have a stronger society and so the more voices we can have participating in our government means the better off all of us are going to be because we're going to have better ideas that happen that become policy so this is why we support democracy. It's not a, f- a utopian dream. It is a real cold, hard reality of how humanity governs itself right now. I think it just goes back to like, again, this whole, and I see this a lot with like the, the people who are opposed to like the, the program that I, that I run at the, at the community college, which helps women who are low income come back to school. And we help them out with things like childcare, internet, transportation, all that stuff so that they can be successful. And there's this idea that like, if we give something to someone else, whether that is a financial resource or the, or the right to vote, we lose something. Right. Like I, I have to give something up. And while that might be true sometimes, right, while my vote might count slightly less if I'm thinking about people who also might vote like me, um, there are people who, more people who are going to vote who are not like me. I think overall what we stand to gain is so much more valuable. Um, I mean, if you're thinking about just enfranchising people, period, um, when people when people vote, it's because they have power. It's because they have agency. It's because they have control over their lives. They feel like they're contributing citizens. 
um, and they're going to be able to make decisions for themselves as a collective that benefit all of us as a whole. This doesn't have to be a zero-sum game where if somebody wins, somebody else loses. We can all win a little bit if we're willing to compromise. Yeah, this is a this is a win-win here, people. This isn't a win-lose, lose-win. This is a win-win. WW. Yeah, exactly. That's why you should support the Voting Rights Act. You should support it because it is a win-win. What Jordan said is 100% correct. Hang out with any Republicans? Like, do you have any Republicans that you have to uh, hang out with on a regular yeah, basis? Yeah, I'm stuck living with one right now. It's terrible. <laughs> How is that? Talk about it. No, I'd rather I'm just not. Curious. Like, <laughs> like, what's your like? What's your what are your bipartisan relationships like? Do you have any? I'm. Oh man, this is a this is an entirely separate podcast. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, okay. on that note, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for hanging out with us this evening. Jordan Scruggs, thank you for joining us this evening. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. Jordan, can we get an amen? Jordan, can we get an amen? Amen. Amen. Mm, Yes, (laughs) Lord. Godspeed, everybody. Hitler's mother's name. This what took a turn. What does that have to do? <laughs> a sharp left. A very sharp left. <laughs> I was gonna try and and try and call you the little dictator's mom, something clever, but oh, uh, that's where we were going with nice. that. Okay, okay that's where I get you it. Were going. No, that's, that makes a lot more sense. I see where we went. She is a dictator. <laughs> it's all good. The answer is Jordan, by the way. Gratefully, she hasn't killed half a million people yet. So, uh, yeah, that's true. She's still in yeah. yeah, but She's much more than that under Hitler's belt. Um, <laughs> and and Blake, yeah, maybe we can uh, leave the Hitler references off for the yeah. next couple <laughs> podcasts. I might just I'm edit kidding. all that out. Oh. Today <laughs> is <It's> getting weird. <laughs>